So we are the church. We're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about this next week as well. But we are the church. And so it brings that question, well, what, what is the church? And I think it's not so much a what question as a who question. Because, see, see the church isn't the building. It's the people. And, and, and so once we understand who the church is, that, that we have a better grasp and a better understanding so that we can be the church. Now, I've got to tell you that, that there's something that gets said about Crosspoint, about our church, that, that I, I don't like. There actually, truth of the matter is, I'm sure there's probably a handful of things that get said about our church that, that I don't like. But there's, there's something on my short list that, that it just, it bothers me more than any of the others. And, and this is what it is. It's when people refer to Crosspoint as Will's church. Because see, it's not my church. It, it, it's not my church. It's, it, it's our church. And the church is the people. In fact, we have some t-shirts floating around here. I saw somebody wearing one this morning that says, I love my church, is what, what it says. So we all get to own it and go, hey, I love my church. Well, let me tell you what we don't have. We don't have t-shirts that say, I love Will's church. We, we don't have those. Maybe if I knew somebody had a company, but shirt, maybe. No, <clears throat> but, but we don't have that. Because see, it's not my church is in wills, but, but it's all of ours. It, this is our church, and, and we need to understand that about the church. Whether this is a church that you're going, hey, I, I've just barely been here. If you, maybe it's the very first time for you to be here. Maybe you've been here for a long time. We are almost 16 years old as a church, and it has been an incredible journey from day one. And when I think about the church, and I think about people, the, the church, we, we all need a church that, that we can call home. That we all need a church that we feel connected at. We all need a church where, where we can bring our families to, where we can invite our friends to, a place where we can come and where we can worship God. And then we get to worship Him. We worship Him through song. We worship Him through giving. We worship Him through serving. We worship Him through the way that we get taught. We grow in our faith and our knowledge and our understanding. We, we, we worship Him in the way that we love others, the way that we love Him. But we all, we all need a church where we can do this, where we can experience this, because it's, it's a great community to be part of. And, and at Crosspoint, that, that we've set out from day one, that we want to be a church where we're going to reach seekers and build believers. And, and one of the things that I absolutely love about our church is that I love that this is a place that, that you can belong when you don't even necessarily believe what we teach. That you go, hey, this is a place I can come to and I can belong here and I can find community. Now, I'd be lying to you if I said, we don't hope that you're going to start believing what we believe. I'd be lying to you. But, but I love the fact that, that people can belong here without believing what it is that we believe because there is a sense of community and care and love and acceptance that gets to take place here. So today we're going to talk about this big idea of a pick me or send me. Because see, they're, they're two different thoughts. That, that pick me, I, I think that most of us in this room, that, that we can relate to the whole pick me thing. That, that when, when there is going to be a promotion that's being posted and we go, hey, I'm applying for that, that we're all like going, I, I, hope, I hope you pick me. That, that when the team is going, hey, we're, we're ready to get a new team captain, and if you're on whatever team it is, you're like going, hey, I, I, I'd, like to be, I'd like to be picked for that. When there's a new lead team that they're going to put together and this is going to be about the future of the organization and that they're picking a few people from within, that there's like, oh, I really hope, hope you're going to pick me because this is going to forever shape the culture in our future. When, when, when you're single 
and, and, and you keep dropping hints to that certain someone that they're going to ask you out, you're like going, I really hope that you're going to pick me with who it is that you're going to ask out. That we can all relate to this idea of, hey, I, I want to be picked. Because see, there's a privilege with being picked. There's this honor that comes with that. But then there's also times that we don't want to be picked. There's also times that we want to avoid it. You know, when, when, when you, the company announces that there's going to be some layoffs, we're like going, I hope they don't pick me. We're like, I, 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 don't, I don't want to be picked. When, when you're the new employee and you hear over the intercom, clean up on aisle nine, you're like going, um, I hope that's not me. That's supposed to be the one that's supposed to go do that cleanup. And, and we're like going, I, I don't want to be picked for that. Maybe, maybe you're that person that, that you don't like speed on your own, but when there's another car that's kind of moving at the faster pace and you're like going, well, you know what, maybe I'll just kind of get behind them and go at that same pace. And you're like going, okay, that, yeah, I feel comfortable that way. And then you go right through a speed trap where radar is happening. You're like going, I hope you don't pick me. And I don't get this because some of you guys, you're like this, you think like this. Well, if they're going that fast, I'm just going to kind of follow behind them and I'll be okay. But see, my logic says, who's closest to the car that's coming up behind you to pull somebody over? It's always the one in the back. I'm not getting sidetracked. But anyways, there's times that we can look at this and we go, I don't want to be picked. There's times we want to be picked because it's a privilege and it's an honor. And then there's times we don't want to be picked because we're like going, that, that's a responsibility or that's a burden to bear that, that I don't want to deal with. I don't want to have. Well, we're going to look inside of Scripture this morning in two different places. And we're going to look at, at these two different ideas of pick me or send me. This first one is going to be found in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. And in this one, this is going to be about the whole idea of pick me is where this is coming from. And so in Mark chapter 10, we're going to pick this up in verse 35. And as we read this, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him, him being Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Well, when you look at this passage, it says, then James and John. So what's then? That means something else has happened. And so Jesus had just finished explaining some things to his disciples, 12 guys. He pulled them aside, and he's been doing some teaching otherwise publicly, and just turned away somebody who's really sad. And, and so after that, now he looks at his disciples and he tells them. He says, the time is near. The, the time is near that I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be spit on. I am going to be whipped. And I will be killed. And he just finishes telling them this. But, but he doesn't stop there with what he says. He says, but three days later, I will rise again. That, that he, he, he lets them know, and it's not the only time he's done this, but he lets people know, listen, I want you to hear this before. He predicts his death, but he predicts his resurrection, that he's coming back to life. So that when it would happen, that they wouldn't be going, oh, where'd you come from? That, that, that he's already let them know that this would happen. So he just finishes sharing this with them. And so then you have James and John, these sons of Zebedee, that they come over to Jesus and they say, hey, we, we have a favor to ask of you. So look at what, how, how Jesus 
responds to this. He says, well, what is your request? He asked. You want a favor? So tell me, tell me what it is that, that you want from me. It says, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. That, that when you get to your throne, and, and I don't know which way they're thinking on this. I don't know if after Jesus has said this, they're thinking, oh, wow, okay. So you're going to set up a kingdom here on earth that's going to be pretty short-lived. So we want to go ahead and get that squared away since it's going to be so short. So can we go ahead and have those positions? Or I don't know if they're thinking, okay, so you're not going to have an earthly kingdom, but you have an eternal kingdom. And so you're never going to set up shop of being that king that way people are going to recognize you on earth while you're here. But as you return to heaven and you get on that glorious throne, can we have the seats of honor? The one on your right, the one on your left. There's only two seats of honor. And, and, and can we have these? That we have in our Bible what's called the synoptic gospels, which means here's these gospel accounts that, that they keep covering some of these same events and, and different persons writing about it, and you get different angles. You get to see it from different points of view. Matthew has this same encounter, and he writes about it. And as he writes and as he teaches about this, he actually shows that Mama got involved in this favor too. That, that Mama was there, and Mama was asking the same favor of Jesus for, for her boys. Now, Jesus had these 12 disciples. With those 12 disciples, he had this inner circle. And the inner circle was made up of three. But there's not three seats of honor. There's only two. And so I think that they're getting this jump, and they're like going, okay, we, we know that, that more than likely one of us is going to get this. But, you know, hey, we, we shouldn't be separated. We're, we're family, and, you know, can we just kind of get these? And, and so they come before Jesus, and they ask this request, can we have these seats of honor? Now, it's James and John. Now, now, John is also somebody who writes in the Gospels. And, and, and you don't get to see any of this account in John's Gospel. I, I, I don't think he brings it back up because I think maybe when you get to the end of this, you go, yeah, he's like going, let's just kind of forget about that whole experience of what I, what I do with that. You know, because he doesn't bring it up. But, but here they are, and they're asking for this favor. And, and so as they ask for this favor, they, they look at this, they ask this, and here's Jesus' response. It says, but Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. You have no idea what it is that you are asking, the request that you are making. And then he asks a question. He says, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Now, see, they would know what he was talking about because he had just finished sharing with them. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be spit on, I am going to be whipped, and then I'm going to be killed. Can you drink from the same bitter cup, the same bitter circumstances, the same bitter events that I am getting ready to go through? Can you do that? And then he wants to make it even more clear to them. He says, are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I must be baptized with. Now, some of you guys are in the baptism. Why, why do they call it baptism, you know? And so we'll go, why, why is that, you know? And I look at it and go, hey, maybe we might be missing out on something here. I don't think we've ever done this baptism of suffering 
We might need to offer that too. And I'm sure lots of you guys would sign up for that. Hey, can I get baptized? Here's what baptize is. Baptize, it literally means to immerse. That, that's what it means. So when we baptize, we immerse people down in the water. Because that's what this word means. It means to immerse, to dip into, to dip under. And, and so when we look at this, Jesus is saying, listen, this suffering that's about ready to come, it, it, it's immersive. It, it's going to completely cover me, surround me. And, and are you willing to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I am about to endure? Can you do that? Because you don't really know what you're asking when you're asking for a favor of having this seat of honor for those of what they've gone through for my name's sake. And so they answer Jesus. That They say to him, Oh yes, they replied, we are able. We're able to. They haven't seen what's going to take place. They haven't really experienced it. But they say, yes, we are able. And then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. If we were to read in, in Acts chapter 12, we'd read about James being killed, being put to death for his faith. He's actually the first disciple, the first martyr, the first disciple that was killed for taking a stand for the resurrected Jesus. He was put to death with a sword. John, his brother, he wasn't put to death. Instead, he was put out on an island to be left alone, this island of Patmos. And as he's out on this island, God gives him a revelation. And, and he takes and he just begins to write down all this revelation, this thing that God had revealed to him about things that are yet to come, things that are still yet to come that haven't even happened yet now. And he wrote these. When, when, when they finally are allowing him to come back into society, he brings these writings. And as he has these writings, he brings these writings. It was done at a time when they had said, no more Christian writings. And they looked at what he had written, and they're like going, uh, yeah, you can, we'll let you, we'll let you write, yeah, you can bring this. Because there was just so much confusion and things that was just difficult to understand. And, and, and so they, they let this book be written that they had said, hey, no more. Both of these guys knew what it was like to experience this bitter cup of suffering. That Jesus said, yes, you will, you will suffer. Verse 40, he says, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. And God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Next verse. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were like going, how dare you ask for that kind of favor? How dare you ask for that kind of position? I, I kind of get the feeling maybe it was more like this. That, that James and John, they, they were on the extrovert team when it came to Team Jesus. And those extroverts, they're like going, hey, I'll ask for that, and I'll ask for that. Because they, they, they can. They're just so comfortable asking for it. Oh, you told me no? Okay, I'll keep asking for the next thing, next time. You know, and then you have the introverts. And the introverts are the ones that are like going, well, I kind of hope you picked me, but I'm, I'm not going to ask. But, but you know, I really want you to. And then I'm really disappointed when you don't, but I've never said anything to anybody. And, and so I think that you've got these 10 that they're like going, yeah, we were never going to ask. And I'm, man, how dare you? And, and they're mad that they've asked for these 
these two seats, these seats of prominence and these seats of position and honor and privilege. And then Jesus used this as a teaching point. Verse 42, so Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. That the, these rulers, they're like going, hey, I'm in charge. You got to do what I say. And it's all about, hey, you need to serve me. That he's saying, this is what happens in, in this world economy of anybody that gets any kind of position and prominence, that this is what they do with it. But among you, it will be different. That you're going to have position, you're going to have privilege, you're going to have honor. But among you, it's going to be different. You're not going to lord it over people. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. You want to be, then you're going to have to serve. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave to everyone else. That I, I am just going to put myself in this position of humility and I am going to serve others. This is how it's going to be different. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man, that's Jesus' expression of himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We all want to be picked by God, but we don't all want to be sent by God. See, we all want to be picked. We all want to be picked and go, hey, I want that, that honor and I want that privilege. And, and so, God, I, I want you to pick me, but we don't want to be sent. Because, see, being sent involves that whole baptism of suffering. We're like, going, I, I don't want to suffer for you. I don't, I, don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to miss out because of you. I don't want to be sent, but, but I, want to be, I want to be picked. That, that we want the privilege, but we don't want the responsibility. And here are these guys, they're saying, hey, hey we'll, 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 we'll take the responsibility. We, we will, we're, we're willing to. But they had asked to be honored instead of waiting to see who it is that God would choose to honor. So then I think about somebody else in our Bible who took a totally different approach. His name is Isaiah, and we can read about this in Isaiah 6. We're going to look at this. And, and with Isaiah, Isaiah's story, it, it starts out like this, that, that he has this vision, we believe, that, that it's not something he's actually seeing. We think it was an actual, just a vision that God had given him. But he talks about this. He gives us context for when it is. It's 740 years before Christ came. And it's at this time that he gets to see God the Father on his glorious throne. And he, and he talks about the, the, the train of, of his robe and just how, how it filled the temple where he has this vision where he's seeing God on this throne. When he sees that vision of God on his throne in the temple, he also sees two seraphim. And two, the seraphim were, were angels, and they were angels that had six wings. And these six wings, they had a pair on their feet, they had a pair to cover their eyes, and then they had a pair on their back that they could fly with. And he sees these seraphim, two of them, in the temple in the presence 
of the Heavenly Father. And then he hears them. And what they say is they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And they say this together and in unison. And he, he hears this. And when he hears it, their voices of praise, they shake the whole temple. And we'll pick this up in verse 5. All of that's just taken place. We see from Isaiah, he says, Then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. He's saying this because he's going, it's over for me. I'm done. This is what happens, and then my life is over. It's gone. It gets taken from me. And the reason it gets taken from me is because I don't deserve to be in the presence of God Almighty. I am not worthy to be in his presence. I I am sinful. I am unclean. I am unworthy. I live among people that are this way. And he's thinking, I'm doomed. My, My life is about to be taken because of seeing this vision of God the Father. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. That he just picks it up and he just flies right on over to Isaiah. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. He hadn't asked to be forgiven. But yet the seraphim just with tongs and just kind of flew. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine this whole thing. Because if this is my vision, I'm like, that, that seraphim's doing this, I'm doing this. I, I'm running. I'm not going to do it. Just stay away from me with that coal. You're going to burn me. And it puts it on his lips. And with this, he is forgiven. His guilt is removed. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? See, at this time, this this particular time, God's Holy people, their, their hearts were far from him. And God's going, I, I, need, somebody, I need to be able to send somebody. They're, they're not going to be a cheerleader that everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, we love you. It's going to be somebody that they're not going to be received well. And, and, and they're going to have to come in and they're going to have to share a very tough and difficult message to hear about getting our lives right and turning our hearts back to God. And he's saying, whom shall I send? Who is it that I'm going to be able to send? I said, here I am. Send me. It wasn't this, pick me for the privilege. It was, I'm willing to be sent. I, I'm willing to be responsible. I'm willing to do this for you. 
Here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go. And Isaiah became one of the major prophets of our Old Testament. Of this one who God would speak to, and then he would speak on God's behalf for the people. That Isaiah is one of the guys that we just start turning to the very next chapter, and then we turn a couple of chapters later again, and, and now God starts to reveal specific detail about the Messiah, the coming Christ that would end up coming, that he reveals because he was willing to be sent. See, when we are sent, we get the incredible responsibility of revolutionizing others through service. That, 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 we, that we serve God, and it's revolutionizing when we end up going and sharing this message of hope, this message of restoration, this message of repentance, turn from your sin. It's revolutionizing. And Isaiah said, I'm willing to be sent. If you want to receive a, a perceived increase in your value, if you're somebody that's going, you know, I, I, I just wish I, I felt more valued. I felt more valuable. I wish that my self-worth, it, was, it would increase. If you want to receive this perceived increase in your value, then serve others. That, that if you want to see lives transformed, then serve others now. That, that if you want to see the reach of Crosspoint extend beyond where it is, and I believe God's given us a big vision for this church. That I, I believe that, that we're going to be a church that's, that's two and a half times the size that we are. And if you want to help extend the reach of Crosspoint into the community and beyond, then serve others now, here. Now many of you, are, you're already doing that. You're on our dream team. And, and, and you serve regularly, once a month, twice a month, three times, four times, every month. You, you are part of our dream team. You do this in an ongoing way. See, volunteers, it, it's essential to the church. And if it wasn't for the volunteers that we had, our dream team, we would just be a little tiny church with a tiny vision and, and a tiny volunteer force. But because we have a big vision, and many of you have caught that and said, I want to be part of that, that you're allowing us to have a far greater impact than what we would have as a church if it wasn't for you, those that are part of our dream team. Well, I want to share with you some common reasons for not serving in a church. Common reasons. Now, now they're in quotes, and, and, and I'm, I'm probably telling you things that you already know. But these are, these are the common reasons. So the, so the first one, it's, it's the standout one, is I don't know enough about the Bible. That I don't know enough about it. So I, I can't volunteer, I can't serve in the church because I don't know enough about the Bible. Let me be real honest with you. I don't know enough about the Bible to be preaching. There are so many things that I don't get, I don't understand. But I just trust that that's what God wants me to be doing. 
And so I'm just going, okay, I'm going to commit everything I do to you, God. I'm going to trust you. And, and I'm trusting that I'm going to get your help. That, that's, that's just, and I think that we've got to do this when it comes to everybody who's a Christ follower. That, that when you have a church home, that you should be plugging in and contributing back in the way that you serve in your church home. And, and this excuse, it's not a deal breaker. It's not something that should keep you from it. Here's another one. I, <clears throat> I don't know enough about the Bible, and I'm not talented enough to serve. That, that you might look at, at somebody who's up here singing, and you're going, I, I can't, I don't have that kind of talent. I, I can't play an instrument like that. Well, that's fine. There's plenty of other places and ways for you to be serving. And so we want to find where you're gifted and where you're passionate, and we want to build where those things intersect. We want to put you in a place where you can be serving, because we've all got something to give, and we all have strength somewhere. And, and so, yes, you, you have some talent, and so we want to put that in place. And so where you say, I'm not talented enough, well, maybe that's not going to be the place where you would be serving. But to believe me, there are places where you could be serving and you can be adding value because you have talent and you have skills that can be leveraged there. A third one is I'm not good enough to serve. I, you know, I, the way I'm living my life, I, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not willing to change anything. And so I'm just not good enough. I, I, I can't serve. Well, none of us, none of us are good enough. And so we can all serve. Another one is, I don't have enough time. I get it. I, I, I get it. I really do. I, I, you know, I understand that, that, that binge watching on Netflix takes a lot of time. I, I get it. I understand. And so you don't have enough time because there's, 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 there's six seasons to this show that you're watching. But, but when, when I finally get through all that, then, okay, maybe I'll have a little more time. Until you get that email, there's a new show that we think that you will, oh, it's got two, okay, I'm going to put it off, because I, I just don't have enough time, because Netflix is calling. Listen, we, we all have enough time. It's just a matter of where we put our priorities. So that's not a valid enough reason. And the last one is the church has enough help. They've got it covered. They have enough. We don't. We have vacancies every Sunday and every Monday. We, we, we have holes in our children's ministry. We have holes in our youth ministry. We have holes in our welcome team. We, we, we have holes in so many places that we don't have it all covered. We don't have enough help. And we need more help to do what we feel called to be doing as a church. And a church that is growing needs to make sure that we've got enough volunteers so that as these people keep coming, that we have volunteers for them. So today, we're going to be doing something. We're going to be having a dream team fair. Our dream team is our volunteer team. It's our dream team. It, 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 it takes dream work to make the team work. And, and, and so when, when, when we're going to do this, that we're going to have some booths that you can go and you can check out and, and you can find out what are the different opportunities that are there for me? What is it that I could be doing? How is it that I could be adding value back to the church? 
I want to share with you four things volunteering at church will do. Because there's these four things when it comes to volunteering at church that it will do. One is it will broaden your perspective. That it will. It will broaden your perspective. And how it will broaden your perspective is it will help you to understand life's not all about me. It's not all about me. It broadens your perspective and allows you to, to see other people, see other needs that people have, and it allows you to be able to contribute and make a difference. It will broaden your perspective. The second one is that it will create lifelong friendships. That, that when you begin to volunteer, you, you don't volunteer just in a vacuum all by yourself and nobody ever sees you and never talk to anybody. You get to volunteer with others. You get to communicate with others. And it's a way for you to begin to, to meet some people. And, and, and some of you might, that are already on our dream team might go, um, I'm not sure I've got any lifelong friendships from people I've volunteered. Well, then maybe you need to make the first move and say, hey, you want to go grab some Starbucks this week? And, and, and find ways to start doing things more than just standing beside them and serving with them on the Sunday or Monday that, that you volunteer at. Because it really is a way for you to create some lifelong friendships. The third one is that volunteering at church, it will help you live for an even greater purpose. So if you're married and you're like going, I, I got the purpose of living for us. Uh, yeah, that's good. If you're a parent and you're going, hey, I, I've got the purpose of, of living for, for my kids. Uh, hey, that's great. If you're in the workforce and you're like going, hey, I've, I've got purpose because I'm contributing. Hey, that, that's great too. But see, there's an even greater purpose. And it's an eternal purpose in which we get to serve our God. And it's one of these purposes we can live for that we need to be living for by volunteering and serving for our Heavenly Father, which brings us to our last one. That volunteering at church will allow you to serve God while helping others. It's not just how, it's serving God while helping others others it allows you to do this no matter where you serve no matter which team you are part of whether you're part of a stage crew that's bringing things out here whether you're part of a plan your visit team that when people are planning ahead and saying hey I think I want to come check out your church this Sunday or this Monday and, and they go hey, we, we want to plan for that we, we let them plan their visit and check them all in and get them registered before they even step foot on our campus whether you want to do that, whether you go, hey, I, I want to work behind the scenes and I've got some time during the week and so you can be part of our, our office volunteer team. Whether maybe it's being part of our, our grounds maintenance team that's just taking care of all of our, our property outside. That we don't pay for that. We have volunteers that are doing that. There, there's so many different ways. Not just teaching children or teaching youth or being part of the band or being part of tech and being part of a next step team or being part of that welcome. There's, there's so many different ways that you could be giving back here at Crosspoint. And so here's something I'd like for you to do today. I'd like for you to reach in that seat back pocket and reach all the way back and there's going to be a dream team card there. And I'd like for everybody to pull out that dream team card. Everybody, that you would grab one of these cards. And if you're somebody that you're currently on our dream team, that you volunteer once a month, twice a month, three, four times, if you're currently volunteering with us on this regular ongoing basis and on our dream team, and you're going, hey, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm happy to be serving where I'm currently serving, 
then, then all we need you to do is just write your name, first and last name, and you're going to turn that card in. Right behind this section, we have a few tables, and we've got some, some shirts there. That you're going to be able to turn that in, and you're going to be able to get your dream team, your new dream team shirt. Maybe you already volunteer, and you're already on a dream team, and you're going, but I might be interested in serving somewhere else. Then, then you're going to fill in all of the contact information on that card then. Because we have, we're going to have three booths up here, and we're going to have nine booths outside where you can go in the halls or up here, and you can find out, hey, what is it about your area of ministry that, that I could find out about? Maybe, maybe I could volunteer there. And so you're going to need to fill in all of that contact. If you don't volunteer with us currently, I'd love for you to fill in all of that contact information and make your way around these different booths and see... Is there somewhere where I could be plugging? Is there somewhere where I can be checking out? Is there somewhere that I can be contributing back to the church? And we'd love for you to do that. And do that by going and checking. You don't have to go, but just look at these. And when you do, if you have an interest in that booth, just allow them to take a, a photo of that Dream Team card so that they have your contact information. And then when you finish looking at all the areas, then you're going to come right outside this wall to our next steps booth. And you're just going to turn that card in and we're going to give you a shirt there if you're not currently on our dream team. Put that card there and we will give you a shirt in good faith knowing that you're going to end up checking out some different opportunities for you to be able to find a way to plug in here. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to dismiss you. And, and you're still going to, you're going to need to give your kids a few minutes. Don't, don't go pick them up right away. They're going to still finish wrapping up their program. But I want to get you out of here a couple of minutes early so that you can start checking out these booths. Pray with me. God, I pray that we would be people. <clears throat> that we would be more humble like Isaiah. And, and we would have a willingness to be sent and say, God, here I am. Send, send me. That it wouldn't be just us saying, pick me for my honor, for my glory, for my fame. But God, send me for your glory, for your honor, and for your fame. I pray that, that you would use us, use us collectively, use us in a way that makes a big impact in this community and beyond. God, pull on our hearts the way that you would so that we would be faithful and respond to you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.